0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Once played on a little league team where a kid was eating a sandwich in the outfield yeah. during the game. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> I just remember I was playing left field Uh-huh. and, uh, I just remember hearing our coach just yell out to, and I forget the kid's name now, but he just goes, put that sandwich away. Mm. And I turn into our center fielder. Yeah, you knew that was his kid. (laughs) He had a sandwich in his back pocket and was going to town. I mean, that's just not what you're used to hearing, a manager shout from the dugout. Not usually. (laughs) I'm wondering about the freshness of that sandwich. (laughs) Hopefully there was no mayonnaise on it, right? In the heat. Surprisingly, that kid did not make it to the big leagues. Maybe even
2: more surprisingly, Springer's doing the same thing right now. (laughs) This
1: is another Astros podcast. The 2-2. On the outside corner with the cut fastball for strike three, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros take two out of three in the series and take a a four-and-a-half game lead in the AL West, defeating the Arizona Diamondbacks. 5-4. 5-4. to
2: four. Well, fresh off a series win against the Arizona Diamondbacks, AJ, you got to be pretty proud of, of the way your team responded after losing the first game of that series.
3: Yeah, it was nice to win a series against a team that's that was really fighting for their season, and we uh, did exactly what our game plan was. We wanted to put pressure on them. We did. We put a lot of good at-bats together. We ran the base as well. I thought our pitching set the tone um, in that series, and, and we came out with a series win, which... And we talk about it all year, how important it is to win series and win homestands. It feels even more so when you get to September. It was something, and you guys have been doing a great job all
2: year, but something I really noticed in the last few days is how well you're running the bases. One, two.
1: And that's Pope through the right side, a base hit. Springer makes the turn at second. He's on his way to third. The throw in by Jay is cut off as Jose Altuve sneaks one through the right side, and the Astros have runners at first and third with nobody out.
2: No hesitation by Springer. He had just gotten to the second base bag by the time that John Jay, the right fielder, had gotten to that baseball. Springer sliding into third base, lost his shoe he was running so fast. You guys are taking the extra bases, putting pressure on the other team. You strive for that. I mean, you want them to do that, but they're, they're ratcheting it up a, a notch right now.
3: Well, it's, it's September, and I think you, you know, it's hard to do that for six straight months. You beat these guys up. It seems easy on a game-by-game basis, but when you talk about the cum- accumulation of – of how hard it is on guys, we try to pick our spots during the season. Then, when you get into September, October, you start to unleash a little more aggressiveness, and and especially when the matchups favor you. If the pitcher can't uh, hold the runners, if the catchers don't throw well, if the outfielders play really deep, there there are opportunities to take extra bases. And we want to do it all year, but we specifically want to do it as you as you zero in on the end of the season.
2: And with less than two weeks of the season right now, do you notice a little difference in the intensity in the dugout?
3: Uh, I don't know if it's different. It's other than it's where everyone's very aware of things. I mean, it's impossible not to see the scoreboards right in front of you. It's impossible not to read um, what's going on with your team or see it on the TV or where people start to uh, look at the schedule. I mean, there's a finish line here coming where, where we can – Uh, play good going up to that any given series but you start to to take calendar days off the off the season and and you start getting some wins you start to realize that something special can happen you
2: guys want to make a a little move in the pitching rotation Josh James going to start tomorrow
3: yeah we're going to start James tomorrow and and push Cole back to um, to Friday we'll have Keiko pitch on his regular rest and we know that Cole's going to have two more starts we're trying to kind of uh, buy a little bit of rest for him. He's thrown the most pitches of anybody on our pitching staff. He's somebody that's going to be critical for us down the stretch. And so when we have two starts to play with, we want to uh, maximize those by giving him a little bit of rest now. We'll get past the team off day on Thursday. We'll start him on on Friday, which will push Morton back eventually to a, to a different start. Gives him a little bit of extra rest. And, and not to mention, getting Josh James in the, in the rotation for, yeah. for one time through is not a horrible outcome. So it's a win-win for all of us. Okay, you got
2: Framer Valdez on the mound tonight. What do you got to do to get him on the dish? What's he need to do?
3: Well, strike one is key, you know. He, he, the guys are going to come up there wanting to hit and they they hit his sinker early, but but he's got to stay inside. He's got to challenge the strike zone. This is a um, an interesting matchup for him. They loaded the lineup with mostly righties, just a couple lefties. Uh, but they will swing. They're not a team that's going to be up there and be too patient. So quality strikes is going to be key for him. In um, in being able to get into hitters' I mean, I'm sorry, pitchers' counts and away from hitters' counts, because when when he needs to, to elevate the ball a little bit to get in the strike zone, uh, that's when he gets hit. Okay, Wade LeBlanc's pitching against you guys for the fourth time now, and you guys have handled him well. Mm-hmm. What's the secret? Uh you just got to you got to ambush him. You know, he he's a guy that likes to throw strikes, and he's also going to move the ball around and and throw different speeds, and you just have to pick one and get after it. I mean, he's not a guy that is going to overwhelm you with stuff, but he, he's going to play the cat-and-mouse game with, with different velocities and different cuts and sinks, and and his change-up's his best pitch. So get the ball up. Uh, once he elevates, you got to get after him. All right, A.J., great stuff. Tear him up tonight. Yeah,
2: Back with more Astro Launch right after this.
1: And White smacks it down to right. Field line ball is slicing toward the corner. It's a fair ball and bounces into the corner. Scoring on the play is Springer. Guriel goes to third. It's a ground rule RBI double for Tyler White. And it's now a 2-1 to Astros lead. As we're joined now in the Astros dugout by Tyler White. And it was White who put the Astros on top for good with his RBI double in the sixth inning. You know, facing a pretty tough pitcher, Zach Greinke. That was your third time up at the plate, Tyler. When you you hit that RBI double, what was going through your mind as you got through that
4: at bat? Yeah, he had uh, he he made good pitches all day. He was a tough tough at bat all day long, and uh, just trying to look for something over the middle. He uh, he makes he makes his pitches. He throws a few pitches for strikes, and I was just looking for something over the middle that I could uh, kind of drive to the opposite side of the field and uh, got a slider that I could hit. Now,
2: Tyler, when you face some of these big pitchers like this in 2009, Greinke won the. The Cy Young Award. Do you have to pinch yourself sometimes on guys you're competing against.
4: Yeah, I mean it's definitely uh, it's it's cool to get to see him. I mean I watched him uh, growing up and stuff, yeah. and uh, it's it's cool to get to face him. I mean he's, uh, like I said, he's he was a tough at bat all day. He uh, he made some really good pitches, and uh, you just have to you have to grind off of guys like that and uh, take advantage of when when they make a mistake. You know we've seen the Astros
1: all year Tyler play really well on the road, coming off a really good road trip. But taking two out of three to start this homestand after a seven and three homestand before the last road trip, good to see the team playing
4: well at home. Yeah, for sure. It's always it's always fun to play here. It's a beautiful park. Uh, the fans are awesome, and uh, yeah, I mean we just come out every day to uh, to win the game. And uh, yeah, we had a good series and uh, took the last two games. You know, Tyler, we talk about it, about Alex Bregman,
2: but but you apply as well. Is the latter stages of the game it, as you and Bregman really shine? How do you? Kind of control your heart rate, or, or kind of come through in big situations late in the ball game.
4: I think it's just sticking to the approach, sticking to okay. uh, looking for. I mean, the guys in the end of the game, they a lot of them have good stuff. You have to you have to make uh, good swings at strikes, and I think that's uh, that's how you have success in the late innings off of the uh, off of those uh, upper upper velo guys, sure. and uh, just looking, yeah, just look for pitches in the middle and uh, try to take advantage when they throw it there. All right, Tyler White. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Congrats!
1: Uh, thank you, guys. All right, Tyler White, player of the game, brought to you by Minute Maid. Next time you're at Minute Maid Park, reach for a Minute Maid lemonade for a refreshing break from the summer heat. Welcome back, Robert Ford, joined by Aaron Goldsmith, uh, radio broadcaster for the Seattle Mariners and Mariners in town and. Always good to see you, Aaron, and we've seen a lot of each other. We both started in the American League West, you with the Mariners, me with the Astros 2013, our first year, our first big league job for, for both of us. Uh, tell the folks about where where you started broadcasting baseball and just kind of some of the stops along the way.
5: Well, it's great to see you as well, Robert. Yeah, we both started at the same time. We both still have jobs, which is the best That's part incredible. of all this. Uh, no, I mean, I, I began like a lot of broadcasters did in the minor leagues. I spent six years in the minors. I, my first gig was as an intern in independent league baseball. I had never called play-by-play before. I called two innings a night for home games only, and I made 70 bucks a month. And, I, and where was that? That was in Sojay, Illinois. I'm from St. Louis, and it was for the Gateway Grizzlies. And when they told me, that I got the job, and that they were going to pay me $70, (laughs) I I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. I didn't think I'd get paid a penny. It paid for my gas to get back and forth to the ballpark. I worked in the Cape League. I I worked in a couple of different AA leagues, and then on to AAA before I got the job with the Mariners. So uh, it was, uh, of course, like for any broadcaster in the minors, it was a journey, a lot of bus rides, a lot of bad food, uh, but it was all worth it once you get here.
1: Who were some of the, the best players that you saw coming up through the minor leagues that you've probably gotten to cover here at the big league level? You
5: know, it's funny, I, I never really hit on that one team or had that one team that had a massive amount of talent. Uh, I was with five different teams in six years. It wasn't because I got fired all the time. <laughs> <laughs> to make that clear. Yeah. For most people who have five jobs in six years, that's a massive problem. But when you're trying to climb the minor league ladder, that's just kind of how it happens, as you know. It was funny because when I was with the Rangers A affiliate for two seasons, uh, those were the two World Series years for the Rangers. So any players that uh, we had that were good, John Daniels, I mean, he was wheeling and dealing. A lot of fans remember those two years for the Rangers. And so, like Tanner Roark was a pitcher now at the Nationals who's been so good for them, who was just kind of a guy in the Rangers system because they had so much starting pitching depth. And I can remember pitchers for our A team watching the Rangers game and thinking, well, like we're never going to get to the big leagues because of what they have there and what's in A Round Rock. Uh, and so uh, all those guys got traded. Uh, like Mitch Moreland was there before I was there so I, I can't like a lot of guys who then went on to start with the Rangers I just missed by a half season uh but nonetheless it was great memories especially during my time in Texas now looking at
1: this Mariners club that you you cover every day uh 82 wins for the Mariners, so they're guaranteed a, a winning season. But as far as uh, postseason, the, the math isn't looking very good right now in terms of uh, what, what would need to happen in order for the, the Mariners to break the longest postseason drought uh, in, in Major League Baseball. What's the mood around this team right now?
5: Well, it's very disappointing. There's no way to sugarcoat it. You're right. The Mariners were in a position where they were, at one point, 24 games over 500 mm-hmm. in the uh, midway point, let's call it, in the month of June. Uh, the Mariners, at one point, were even ahead of the Astros. At well, This point, a long while ago. But still, for the Mariners to be ahead of the Astros and it not be April yeah. uh, was a huge feeling, and even if it was only by a half game or a game. Nobody could see what the A's did in coming, and nobody knew that they would sustain it the way, the way that they did. Um, you know, to me, the big turning point for the Mariners season was what happened when the A's came here. When the A's came here and took three games out of four against the Astros, and then that was on the heels of taking, I believe it was two out of three against the Indians, and the A's became buyers. And the last thing the Mariners wanted were for the A's to believe. Because yeah. when they believe, then they go shopping. And when they got familiar, uh, to me, of course, then they added on with Rodney, with fires as well. That was a real turning point for the Mariners. Now, it was it's not as though the Mariners have been playing 600 baseball while the A's have been playing 700 baseball, right? The Mariners have tapered off. They've played sub-500 as the A's have skyrocketed. So it's been very disappointing, and you're right. It will take nothing shy of a miracle for the Mariners just to get to a play-in game to get to the wild-card game. Surprised at how
1: much the, the offense has struggled?
5: I am I think everybody is when we saw this lineup on paper in spring training and when we saw this lineup even in actuality come April time it looked like one of the longest lineups the Mariners have had in a long long time and even when Cano got dinged and was suspended the Mariners as you remember Mariners offense didn't skip a beat in fact it was even better than maybe it would have would have been you would think with Robbie. So the way that the offense has struggled now for the better part of two months has been a head-scratcher for Jerry DiPoto, the Mariners general manager for Sky Service as well. You guys saw it firsthand when they moved Mitch Hanniger to the top of the lineup. It was in this ballpark against Justin Verlander, and it was an immediate spark, and it hasn't been enough. Haniger has done everything and more you could ask for at the top of the order, but this lineup just has not produced for uh, probably over 60 days at this point. Aaron Goldsmith, uh, radio broadcaster for the Seattle Mariners. You may have
1: seen him on some uh, national Fox games as well. as on a, a few Astros uh, games on television. Best hair in baseball. Too bad you spent so much time on the radio, but thanks for joining
5: us. Well, Jake Marisnyk challenges me for best hair in baseball. <laughs> but I, I love watching your ball club. You and Sparky are the best. It's great to see you guys. The Houston Astros Radio Network. That ball is gone! Steve Sparks, Robert Ford. And
1: you can kiss it goodbye!